The Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From Brewsted Same Game Parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by SGPN's Big Game Bingo. $57 SGPN gift card for every bingo hit. We're also brought to you by SGPN's 57 Bets Challenge. $570 cash and a $570 gift card to the winner of the props contest. Get all our contest info exclusively on the SGPN app. Welcome to the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. Joining me today, SGP owns Matthew Morse and Justin Mark getting ready to talk XFL Fantasy. Justin and Matt, welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us, Adam. You are a gracious host and a gentleman and a scholar. (laughs) Yeah, I can't back that, but yeah, let's talk some (laughs) XFL. I'm stoked. I housed you at the USFL (laughs) championship game, Justin. I gave you a place to stay, and this is the repayment I get. Touche. So, I got screwed by not having a kicker that actually kicked a field goal the entire season. But <laughs> Stuff happens. Life goes on. All right, y'all. So we're excited to be here, Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. We're excited for a great Alt Fantasy, XFL Fantasy football season. And everybody's wondering. It's heading into a big weekend for drafts. Y'all, what is your strategy for the draft matt what are you doing what's the thing what are you doing well anybody who plays fantasy football usually is probably expecting me to say oh go top running back top wide receiver early you know corner the market on the best running backs the best flex position players uh i am taking a unique position that's either going to carry me to some well-deserved XFL fantasy championships, or I'm going to burn in flames, uh, just like not having a functional kicker last year during the USFL fantasy leagues. But uh, that's besides the point. My strategy is I'm going to try to corner the market on, uh, well, particularly, um, this is probably a popular pick among a lot of uh, XFL fans at this point, but I'd like to corner the market and get the Kyle Slaughter, Sal Canella stack in rounds one and round two. Um, I think in general, most people probably agree that Canelo is the best tight end uh, in the XFL this season, given what he did uh, in the USFL last year, um, being the all USFL tight end and Slaughter being the all USFL you know quarterback. Uh, and they're reunited and probably going to be my favorite stack to use every week in daily fantasy as well. Um, I was particularly interested in uh, like if I couldn't get those two uh, and still kind of running that like top uh, top quarterback to top pass catcher stack. Um, I'm probably going to look at AJ McCarron and Marcel Aitman. Uh, I just think my two favorite quarterbacks in the league going into the season are Slaughter and, and McCarron, given their experience and their success in the NFL and uh, in the USFL. Uh, and Aitman is currently the top pass catcher in what I think is going to be a really good St. Louis Battlehawks offense. 
So that's my personal sort of specific strategy is I want to corner one of those two stacks in the first two rounds. Um, but I'm sure I, you I and mean, Justin have some, it, it, but it's super important there. I mean, you bring up a good point that it's different in spring football with the quarterback. I mean, we're talking about just this need to lock down a quarterback because it's the top scoring position still week in and week out. And there's just a lack of starting quarterbacks. Like we were just talking about this pre-show. How many quarterbacks are actually going to play all 10 games for their team? That's going to be the most valuable asset. Who is the unquestioned starter? So, I mean, Justin, you've been following this. Who are the unquestioned starters right now in the XFL? I mean, of course, it all depends who you ask, but um, Matt. We're asking Jay Mark (laughs) football, the unquestioned football expert insider. Absolutely. Yeah, so Matt named two of them that I think will hold the job. Kyle Sloter, A.J. McCarron. I think you can uh, kind of chalk up to the fact that those two guys are going to hold it all year, unless injury, of course, but you can never plan for injury. The other guy that I think will probably play all year, Brett Hundley, reportedly getting paid a bunch of money because, remember, everybody's paid the same except quarterbacks. That's a discretionary pay for the team. He's reportedly getting paid a lot. They brought him in. They liked him since the very beginning. They just didn't know if he was going to be available. He's the only other one that I could see unless Cole McDonald does does end up playing. Um, I know a lot of people like Brandon Silvers because of his history in spring ball, but I'm a Cole McDonald fan. There's not a throw that guy doesn't think he can make, which can get you in a lot of trouble, of course, but it also leads to a lot of big plays. He had a lot of big plays at Hawaii. I think that transfers over. I think he starts all year. I actually kind of like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Adam. No, go ahead, Matt. No, the point I was going to make too is even if uh, even if Cole McDonald is a risk taker and you think that can get him into a little bit of trouble, I think we just saw last year in the USFL, you know, Kyle Slaughter was named the all USFL quarterback throwing 10 interceptions to 11 touchdowns. So he wasn't the most efficient quarterback, but taking those risks did translate into a lot of points, you know, and a playoff well, appearance. So. But Slaughter sure. was hurt last year. Like he lost a whole facet of his game. I agree. He sprained <laughs> the ankle. And even trying to throw off a sprained ankle is still going to be challenging. I don't have the stats you know, in front of me, but I think the majority of his turnovers were post-injury. But I yeah, WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBets. Build your own bet. The big game is here, and WinBet has you covered. Great promos, odds, payouts are happening right now with WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlor of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 older and present in the state of WinBet. Where playthrough win bet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 And I think they, Justin, they were, you yeah. left the key yeah. name off there, though. Ben DiNucci in Seattle just feels like a lot to start all 10 game. I, I know Steven Montez is a spring football darling, but Ben DiNucci has played in the NFL, won NFL games. He's got the NFL chops, he's got the NFL experience, and he's playing in that June Jones offense, you know, you want to buy in, in a league that's full of young coaches, first time coaches, 
longtime assistants, not oftentimes play callers. I'm really trying to corner the market on Houston and Seattle because Houston and Seattle both have veteran play callers. You know, I know in Houston we're looking at it and you're saying, oh, A.J. Smith isn't a veteran play caller. A.J. Smith was rumored and pretty much all but confirmed to have been calling the plays the last time around in the XFL. So he's familiar with that city and he's familiar with that scheme. And he has his favorite weapon, Nick Holly, back in the fold. I, I, you know, I like the nooch, but I am a Steven Montez truther. Um, <laughs> but it really does depend on how much uh, does the June Jones. Montez- truther badge go right next to your brian scott truther badge well the brian oh, scott one is a lot higher come on are, are we sure justin isn't just brian scott in a mask are we sure about this? who took the under on uh five minutes before brian scott's name came up on uh, you lost because we're in, so sorry about right, that well. folks I held myself back from the rant right away of the best quarterbacks and not saying Brian Scott. Um, no, I, it does go a long way with what June Jones is going to do with that offense. Legendary play caller um, has had success pretty much everywhere he's been. It's a matter of if he's going to open that offense up. If he's going to open it up and allow a quarterback that can move a lot, Montez is the guy. If he's not, then the Nooch is the guy. So that's why I'm kind of torn there on those two to see who's going to start all year round. Um, I think Montez has better upside, but again, if June Jones doesn't want to open that offense where you have a mobile quarterback, then I don't think Montez gets the start. I mean, Ben DiNucci, you're acting like Ben DiNucci's a statue. He's not. I mean, <laughs> He's he not a statue. Run. He's not a statue. He can run the ball. And the point of the June Jones offense is it's all spread out. So you don't have to be a super athlete. You need to be able to move. And you need to be able to make plays with the ball in your hands in open space. And Danucci has that capability. You know, we're talking about a guy who ran, you know, pretty well in college, you know, where they're factoring in sacks, had two and a half yards of carry on his career. That's including his sack numbers. So That's he's good. still a guy who can move and get positive yardage with his feet. Yeah, he doesn't move as well as Montez, though, in my opinion. <sighs> <laughs> Justin puts his. I'll stand on this stand. Montez Hill. That's okay. okay. Justin's gonna I'm stand glad. and die on the Montez Hill. More so, what you got. I'm glad we brought up the Sea Dragons though, because uh I know when you asked me about my early round draft strategy, I got a little, I got a little specific that, like me in particular. Although I probably shouldn't be telling you two this, because I'm guessing most of the fantasy leagues I'm going to be in are going to include you two. And Adam has a history of using my mock drafts uh against me, T.J. Hawkinson. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was I knew great. that was going to happen. I almost landed too. that plane too, but couldn't bring just, it home. Just for reference, we did about ten mock drafts uh, with another friend of ours, and almost every time at the fourth round turn, I, I nabbed DJ, TJ Hawkinson, and I should have known better. And in our actual draft, it was coming up on me, and he sniped him like two picks before me because he knew that's where I would grab him. But anyway. enough of the NFL. People are here to listen to football. I'm sorry, we're clearly sports and football fans. Uh, hence the the Jets things behind me. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I'm glad the Sea Dragons came up because I know I was oddly specific about my uh my strategy being i'm trying to corner those stacks because like you said adam um you know points are going to be at a premium we don't know who's going to be starters all season so if you can nab one of those top guys that you know are likely going to be chucking the ball for 10 games that's who you want and you want their top pass catcher 
Um, but I think the Sea Dragons in particular, if you're kind of taking a more like spray and pray approach, uh, nabbing as many of their playmakers early on is probably not a terrible idea. I mean, Jim Hazlitt has come out as recently, I think is, I think it was last week or something, uh, basically saying that, uh, yeah, we're going to throw the ball a lot in this offense. And given the history of June Jones, like that's, that's what we expect to see. But when the head coach comes out a few weeks before the season and basically just says, yeah, we're going to chuck it, get ready for that. Um, I want as many of those pass catchers as, as I can get. So um, I think if if my particular guys are missing, I'm going to look at some of those Seattle Sea Dragons. I believe we were just talking, is that Josh Gordon in the wide receiver two role potentially? Is that where we envision? Yeah, we were having some discussion about that. You know, we were talking about, is Push it going to be Jawan Green or Josh right. Gordon? You know, both of them could be in line for good, you know, 60 you know, half dozen targets a game, six. Right now we have a Juwan Green in the one slot projected for that six targets a game. Josh Gordon coming in the number two, four targets a game. But the thing with Josh Gordon is, is if the athleticism's there, he's going to be explosive. And that's, I'm going to take that as a lead in into, we talked about QB early. If there's an established wide receiver that you know is going to be dominant, you need to go get him early. That is an early first round pick all day. Because wide receiver can really be a leverage point in these leagues. You know, you're not only looking for that high floor, but you're looking for the leverage point where there's going to be scarcity. You know, Morris talked about his QB Canella, his QB Slaughter Canella stack. I mean, you got to be looking at the wide receivers too. You know, Juwan Green, um, guys like Jeff Bidette on the Vegas Vipers also got to come to mind, just an absolute speedster who was surprisingly limited in the USFL. And I really think that was a factor of the offense that he was in. Now in Vegas, in that Vipers offense, you know, I can't imagine it's going to be worse than the Michigan Panthers offense. Because <laughs> no, it's not going to historically bad. And yeah. I think that this is really, you know, you have a play caller out of Alabama A&M who's really been limited talent-wise. You know, there's been some good players coming out of there recently but you gotta wonder in an offense that's projected to throw the ball about 30 times a game you want pieces of those pass catchers are you talking the vipers right now yeah we're talking the vipers so i'm glad you brought them up as well although i know justin wants to talk about them a little bit too sorry r.i.p brian scott in the xfl but uh <laughs> not for now we did our for brian now. scott quota we did we did <laughs> we did Leave Dwayne Taylor's decision-making alone. He knew his guy. <laughs> he went and got his guy. He went and got Brett Huntley. He went and got an athlete. We can love Brian Scott all we he want. Did. Brian he Huntley did. is an athlete who's going to bring better NFL experience as well. NFL experience and NFL talent. At the end of the day, yes. Huntley has an NFL caliber arm, and he has that athleticism. And for whatever it's worth. of a... NFL caliber arm. Just throwing that out. Brian Scott anyway. has zero percent of an NFL arm. <laughs> yeah, let's. I love, yeah, I love Brian as much as the next guy. I mean this with all the respect. Brian doesn't seem. Brian would be hard pressed to start in an NFL game. He would have the accuracy. He might be able to grasp the playbook. I don't know that I'm excited about. Him. I'm excited, but I'm not. If he came in for the Bills, I'd be like, Brian Scott's in the game. This is where we're at. It's the Brian Brom experience all over again. He's a gamer, all right. He's a gamer. So, I mean, he's a gamer. He is a gamer. He's great for spring leagues, and I wish a better him a Tim Tebow. Will no, I'm just kidding. And also, make sure to sign up on the SGPN app and get your own big game bingo card for all of your favorite big game prop bets. 
you get bingo, you'll win a $57 SGPN gift card. Only catches you must be subscribed to the Sports Gambling Podcast and NFL Gambling Podcast on YouTube to win. In honor of the big game, SGPN is also hosting a prop bet contest. Make your picks for 57 different prop bets. Winner will get $570 cash and a $570 gift card to the SGPN store. All our contests are free to play and exclusively on the SGPN app. <laughs> but I think you were trying to tee us up for something easy here because you were talking Vipers offense and you talked to Jeff Bidet, who's kind of the, the deep threat in, in the offense generally, it seems, but has a trouble staying healthy. But it seems like you were letting us take the easy bait here and talk about Martavis Bryant. Is that what was happening? Oh, here? of course. <laughs> that was an expert move. No, you're you're good at this. No, no. And I, Martavis Bryant is one of my favorite first round targets, I would say. And like anybody who's a football fan knows why that is, right? Like he's going to be the number one receiver catching passes from regardless of what J Mark says about his 59% completion percentage from a former NFL quarterback. Uh, and if that's going to be a high powered offense, as we assume it is, I mean, I've been on the Vipers since basically the first draft results came out as one of my favorites. Um, I, of course, at the time I was, really excited about the prospect of Brian Scott throwing to, to Martavis Bryant. But uh, now I guess I'm going to be excited about Brett Hundley throwing to Martavis Bryant. Now, legal troubles aside, uh, anybody who watched the Pittsburgh Steelers when they were basically wide receiver U of the NFL, it seemed like every mid mid round wide receiver they drafted turned into a star uh, regardless of their off the field antics. Um, I believe Bryant's rookie year, he like led, the, like he had limited action. He only started like six games or something, but he, I think he led the league in yards per catch or something like that. And then like on like 28 catches still managed like eight touchdowns. It was something ridiculous like that. And if you just like Google Martavis Bryant highlights, you'll just see some of the ridiculously athletic things he did in the NFL, including the, what should not have been a catch catch on his behind, uh, in the playoff victory i can't remember who that was against but i don't know if anybody else remembers what i'm talking about when he like did like a cartwheel and somehow managed to hold the ball on his buttocks as he did a flip in the end zone and they they uh they called out a touchdown but anyway uh i think that's a really good point uh made by adam and i'm gonna let justin talk about the vipers because he has some feelings about this <laughs> i'll leave the brian scott talk out of this and just talk <laughs> about the receivers um yeah. while i think martavis bryant is a great grab in early browns my only concern there are um he's got geronimo allison uh jeff Bedette, matthew sexton he's got some competition there of guys that have step. put up numbers um geronimo allison with the packers then the lions jeff Bedette in uh spring leagues with, as a big playmaker so it'll be interesting to see how that wide receiver room shakes out. Uh, when I look at it, that might draw me a little bit away from them um, for like a, a one or two round pick. Um, of course, I, I like to start with quarterback because there's only eight teams. You know, you start with your quarterback. We talked about the uncertainty and then I take it running back. But if round three, if Martavis Bryant is still there, then I would absolutely grab him in round three. So, so who are, you know, it may not be your strategy, but who are the three wide receivers that you guys think you can go and get in rounds one and two? Who are the three receivers where you're like, if you want to pivot and you want to, you know, you can attack quarterback from the streaming standpoint. It's tricky and it's dicey, but it's possible, especially with the one, two and three point plays being back in play. And some of these quarterbacks being bigger harder runners i think we're going to see them use more at the goal line like eric dungy you could create a leverage point where your flex players are so much better and you just 
trot out Eric Dungy, who's just going to pick up one and two point conversions, right. but that's going to give you six, seven points a week. And you're just dominating in the other spots. Who are the top three receivers in your mind right now, Justin? Um, yeah, Martavis Bryant, even though I just talked about how he has a lot of competition, he's number three for me. Um, number two is going to be Brandon Arcanado out of Washington State. And I think Sloter and him are going to uh, get a really good connection going on. I think he's a good playmaker that people probably don't recognize the name. And then number one with A.J. McCarron thrown to him is Marcel Aitman. He's a six-foot-four dude out of Oklahoma State. Just a big guy that I think he's going to be a huge red zone target and get those touchdowns for you in what could be a touchdown-dependent position. Morris, what about you? Yeah, I think those are great picks. I'm gonna, I, I, I really wanted to go with Aitman and Bryant myself, but I think that's uh, not to go too chalk. But, but those two, I mean, you're pairing them with who I think are two of the, the two of the best quarterbacks going into this season. Um, Ar- uh, Arcanado, also a great pick. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys think about Eli Rogers. Uh, I know he's only projected to be wide receiver two right now, but he was somebody I was really high on uh, when the USFL was coming about. I, I know Justin remembers this, but um, I was ready for that Tayamo Eli Rogers connection. And then something happened where Eli Rogers was no longer on the roster. Um, so I, 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 I don't like agreeing, but Justin picked the, the, the three that I would, I would want to target. No questions asked in the first round, especially Bryant, uh, Bryant or Aitman. Um I'm just curious to see what you guys think. What are the chances that Eli Rogers becomes a guy that finds his way into that conversation early on in the season? I think the problem for me with Eli Rogers is just when I look at that Orlando quarterback room, we talked about it. There's always a team that's a disaster at quarterback and it's just a (laughs) rotating. No, maybe not a disaster. It's a rotating door. And we look at that team, Paxton Lynch, DeAndre Francois and Quentin Dormady you're really hard pressed to say one of those guys is going to differentiate and win yeah, and they're I'm all not. runners. Really? I love DeAndre Francois. I, I think if given the keys to this offense, he could end up being a one or two quarterback in the league. Now, do I think they're going wow. to give him the keys? I don't. I think they're going to maybe hand it to Paxton Lynch, let Francois Dormady come in now and then, but I'm, I'm a huge DeAndre Francois truther. He's a guy where, a similar situation to USFL's Dunder Johnson, um, where he was a big-time quarterback at Florida State, had an off-field issue and got removed from the team, ended up finishing at Hampton, and because of that, didn't get a lot of uh, attention. But he's done well at some of these smaller spring leagues, and I think if if they will give him the opportunity to start multiple games, I think he could be a really good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and just my top three receivers rounding it out. You know, Juwan Green for me is just number one right now. I'm glad he came he, up. He has the best quarterback. He has one of the best quarterback situations with um, with Danucci there in Seattle. He has June Jones offense. He's six. They're going to throw a lot. Going to throw a lot. Going to have a lot of work. He's got <laughs> experience. He's been on NFL rosters with the Falcons, the Lions, and the Titans, just where there's been messy wide receiver situations in run-heavy offenses. I mean, in Detroit, that team stacked top to bottom. No wonder he couldn't get a shot. Now in a place like Seattle, he's going to get a chance to shine. Secondly on that list is going to be, I like Arcanado with Slaughter. Slaughter is set. Slaughter was, will sling it all over the yard. Arcanado's a great pick there. But then the third one, I got to go Jaquez Azar. You know, 
speedy guy down there in D.C. going to be Jordan Tawamu or De'Eric King, most likely Tawamu's number one target. And that's just something where someone has to catch passes in D.C. And Jaquez Azar just feels like he's going to be that guy. I agree with that. I mean, he's got a lot of talent and a lot of people probably don't know him because of his Sam Houston State days, smaller college, but that guy can ball. So I, I like that pick. That's a good one. Are we so the no Josh Gordon talk here? That's that's we're just we're just avoiding Josh Gordon in the first round. I mean, I would consider it. I'd probably be more I'd probably be more apt to take Gordon in rounds two or three if I felt like I just wanted a piece of that Seattle offense. And I mean uh, I, I just wanted to find a good opportunity to mention that one of the last times that Gordon was healthy and not in legal trouble, he somehow managed over 1,600 yards in 14 games with a horrid quarterback situation uh, in Cleveland. So I'm just just saying, not your worst use. How many of, years ago was that? We're not going to talk about that. Don't worry about it. Don't that's worry my about only. It. He's, no, I know I mean, he's old. That's my only For, concern. All the football years, ability. he's old. Yeah. Yeah. All the athletic ability, but um just the age, I wonder if he's gonna be a little bit slower. If he's what is not he like? and is he like thirty one. He's in his thirties, a thirty one, thirty two, I he's think. He's still six three. Like he's ginormous. I, I mean yeah. that's the thing. And if he can it's, be as fast, yeah. He doesn't have to be as fast. I'm he thinking the level of competition he's, will work in his favor. Not to say that we expect I, a poor I mean, product, but it's not. It's just not the NFL. Right. It's just not. And, and I think that if he's still, because he's an, always an underrated route runner in addition to his athleticism, where if he gets those chances, he gets those opportunities, he gets open, he wins in the red zone, you know, touchdowns are king. You know, for anyone who's playing AAF spring football, you remember the Birmingham Iron and uh, – uh, oh hell! What's his name? What was it? Trent Richardson? Yeah, Trent Richardson. I wanted yeah. to say Dilfer, and I was like, no, look at that. Even more <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> Trent Richardson <laughs> had less than 200 yards on the season, I think, but was the number one running yes. back because he scored I like a touchdown that. and a half a game. I, so, I speaking of running backs, you know, Justin, Matt's going quarterback early. I'm going wide receiver early. And what are you doing early? What do you want to do? Yeah, I always grab a quarterback in the in the first round of these drafts. No, running you can't back do quarterback. Morris already picked it. <laughs> pick, pick something else. No. Pick something running back else. is always second, second running best back. here. There we go. Um, real quick, on wide receiver, speaking of Kush Gordon, are they doing P-tests in the XFL? Do we know? Because that might um, change important. everything. Not... <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Because uh, It's the yeah. XFL. Come on. They have to have a little bit of that old XFL brand in there, right? Like, yeah, no, I agree. Let I don't the think they are. Um, for running backs, though, I mean, um, I'm going to let you guys talk about some studs that I think you're going to bring up when you're talking about top running backs. But mine is probably a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people. But Max Borgie, this guy was a beast at Washington State. He runs hard. And anybody that transferred to Washington State because they wanted to play for Coach Leach it gets a check mark of being good in my book. Um, and I think he's going to really excel at this level and they really cut their running back room down. So I, you know, his biggest competition is gone now. So I think it's his job and uh, I'm just a big Borgie fan anyways, but he's kind of my, uh, my pick to be one of the top running backs in the league. I mean, I think the thing you're missing there with Borgie is all these other running backs are runners first. Borgia yeah. can run and catch like for sure. Not a lot of the other guys can. So he clearly is in a prolific offense in Houston. And don't forget last time around James Butler in the XFL in that Houston offense 
was a big time option, getting a lot of red zone work and getting those checkdowns. You know, PPR is a thing still. Max Borgie is possibly the most complete running back that we're going to see on the field in a prolific air raid offense down there with the rent down there with the roughnecks. I mean, that's just, it's hard to argue against Borgie one overall. Yeah, no, I love it. I'm glad you brought up the PPR point as well, because I think most leagues are probably going to be PPR to, to pump up the points, right? Like we want, we want all these leagues to be PPR. So even just that, that was part of my drive to push the Seattle Sea Dragons and the, in the Vegas Vipers and these teams that we think are going to be throwing it a lot because you, yes, touchdowns are King, but if touchdowns are King volume is queen, I don't know. It's close. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, it's second to the scoring opportunities. I think I just, I thought that was a, a good point to make. Uh, if we're still talking running backs, so we're going to talk about Abram Smith, right? Like that's weird that he has to come up during this discussion. I think he was the first position player off the board in the XFL draft. Uh, yeah, and rightfully I so. Mean, I mean, I, we keep talking about draft capital and it's like the positions I know. are set. I know. There's literally infinite available players out there. There is. Sure, it matters, but who else was like, oh, damn, they got Abram Smith? I mean, I try. It's got to mean something, right? Like, how much do we have to go on at this point, right? Like, depth charts are whatever you make of them at this point, right? Like, we we get different information every day. I mean, it was five minutes before the show we found out Jordan Tayamu had been named the starter. So that was, you know, we we had hoped that would be the case. The week allegedly, week once allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> yeah. See what allegedly. I mean? So, so lay off me about the draft capital. I've got what I've got to go on. But Abram Smith, if, if, if Justin's going to bring up age, right. Uh, Smith is still young, right? Like we know Gordon's kind of an old head, but he had talent back in the day. Smith was his senior year of Baylor, I think was 2021. 20, so he's still got a lot of tread on those tires. And, and it's not like he was just another guy. He ran for 1600 yards and 12 touchdowns. So clearly he has the ability to be a bell cow back. Now, what is his receiving contribution going to be? That is yet to be seen. I don't think he added much to the Baylor offense um, in the, on the receiving side of things. Uh, but as far as DC goes, I mean, that seems like a nice little combo they have now in Smith and Tayamu might be an intriguing offense to keep an eye on. I know it hasn't been at the top of a lot of people's boards, whether they're going to be running the ball a lot, whether it's going to be an, a balanced attack is yet to be seen. But I'm, per, I'm, I mean, I'm particularly intrigued to see what that offense looks like if Tayamu is the week one starter and we have Smith as the number one pick, even though Adam doesn't like me saying that in the in the draft leading the backfield. Um, I just think that you could do worse if you want to go running back early than take the number one position player that was taken. Clearly people that get that are much better at this than we are saw his talent, decided to take him first off the board. Well, to your point, yeah, draft uh, position might not matter as much, but when you, when you look at a player and you go, that's gotta be our number one, you're most likely going to feature him or have him as a good part of your offense, in my opinion. And this guy is a bruiser. Smith is a bruiser. So he's going to get a lot of hard fought yards. He's going to get a lot of goal line carries anytime they're within the 10. I imagine he's getting the ball. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a bruiser. I think he has an opportunity of being one of the top three backs in the league. And he's probably going to get a lot of work given that he is so young and has so much tread on his tires. He's not going to wear out like some of the older guys that are trying to make a name for themselves in this league again. But we're talking about a guy who only has one season of college production. 
1,600 yards of good production. production. <laughs> oh, it was <laughs> I never said it was bad production. It was just one year, and it's not like he was pl- he was playing at Baylor. Like, you can't get on the field at Baylor until your senior year. And if we're talking about bruisers, Abram Smith doesn't belong at the top of the all bruisers list. There is one man on this list. It is the six foot two, six foot three, depending on where you check, Jaquez Patrick. Okay. I'm so glad you got to talk about your boy. Jaquez Go ahead. Patrick I was just waiting. Leave it for him. Oh, we're gonna. I'm gonna get my other boy in here in a minute too. Because right? I'm gonna talk about my guys. Because that Tampa Bay Vipers offense in 2020 was just so focused on running the ball down your throat, and it did it well. Jaquez Patrick in 2020 with the Vipers had 254 yards, two touchdowns. Okay, but he was, he was also in the top three had, in the league in rushing. I think. He also had 18 first downs. They trusted him to just run people over. He's not a great pass catcher. He's an okay pass catcher. Caught five balls. I don't think you're going to find that a lot with these running backs, though. Like I know you guys were right. They're runners or they're catchers. You know, and that's just the thing with Jaquez Patrick is he's just so big. He's so physical. He's had some cups of coffee in the NFL, just never got a shot. You know, Cincinnati in 21 and San Francisco in 21 and then Cincinnati again. I mean, he got fun fact, Jaquez Patrick, two carries, 12 yards, averages six yards a carry in the NFL. (laughs) That's what we're He looked good in San Francisco. He has the talent to look good on the 49ers. He's a hard dude to bring down. He's 6'2", 240. How many linebackers out there are going to be that big in this league? I mean, the this league isn't going to have top-level size. You know, well, it's going to be tough. And what do you think I about prefer- offense, that Brahma's offense? Do you think they're going to be running? Is it going to be ground first? They may run in First down run. Second down run. Third down <laughs> run. If they don't get it in three, they punt. <laughs> I, I mean, I just – I look at San Antonio there and just – you start thinking about the quarterback situation. Okay, Juwan Pass, Reed Senate, Jack Cohen. We don't know that. Yeah, this is one of the situations. I think, it, I where think it's another mess. I mean, I think we could have two mess quarterback situations yeah. right here. Usually in the spring football, there's only one. The AAF had Memphis. The XFL had um. God, I don't even remember who was the hot mess in the. Oh, it was Tampa. That's why they were running the ball all the time. Well, this feels good. Three quarterbacks. This feels familiar. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you're going to run the ball a lot, and it's running attempts are usually up. You know, traditionally, rushes outweigh passes, you know, and there are a lot of teams running for 100-plus yards a game when you look at the statistical history of spring football. So, I mean, Jaquez Patrick just feels like he's in for a ton of, of work i agree yeah he should be one of the first running backs off of off the board in your in your fantasy dress there's no question about it especially i mean uh, i i mean this with no disrespect i don't see too many other folks on the that san antonio offense that i'm like particularly excited about as far as like every down playmakers maybe justin disagrees but um because he has a look in his eye but um Patrick just gonna, is the guy I'm targeting on that offense personally. So I don't disagree Justin's with you. Justin's going to take this opportunity to talk about Brian Scott. <laughs> no. no. no uh, hey, there's a the quarterback play. out there that will make yeah. their offense more unfortunate. Right. Just to play a little devil's advocate here, and I like to say his name as if he's French, Jacques Patrick. Um, they also have Calvin Berner Turner, who's a hell of a playmaker. They got Kalen Balage, who's a great playmaker. I do like Balage. Yeah, so – 
while I think they're going to run the ball a lot, um, and I think obviously Jacques Patrick is going to be the guy. I think he's going to be a really good running back. If I'm just playing devil's advocate, I'm looking at that running back room and going, man, it's loaded with some guys that'll get on the field and make some plays. Now, another place that may be a mess at quarterback that doesn't have a lot of guys at running back, the Orlando Guardians. I really like Jamaine Martin out of North Carolina A&T. Um, they got two running backs. They got him and Devin Darrington. So you got to think one of them is going to get a good amount of carries and yards. I mean, somebody's got to carry the ball, right? And there's only so many players in that running back room right now. Kalen Balazs um, has fewer yards per carry in the NFL than Kalen Balazs <laughs> also played more carries, though, right? Yeah, a lot more games. A lot, a lot more carries. Teams. I'll give him that. The only 400, reason I 450 career carries, 1900 yards. I mean, he's not. He's not. How is? Ter- how are no, his sorry, receiving that's numbers, not though. it. That's not it. I looked at college and NFL. Check out his NFL 213 numbers. attempts, 865 receiving. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious. Better pass catcher than I'd think. That's, see, that's what I was getting passes. at. That's, that's I am so glad this right is there. justifying the point that's I was about sneaky. to make. So as good as He's Patrick is, Patrick Light. It, is, it is his job. But we were just talking about how difficult it is to find a running back going into a spring football league that, you know, could be a dual threat, right? Like that could be a factor in both aspects of the game. I don't really think like, I think this is Patrick Patrick's backfield. I don't think, I think most, almost everyone that's going into the season agrees with that. Um, Balazs was always really interesting to me um, because he does have that pass catching ability. So I almost wonder if they picture him in like a third down back type of role. I don't know if that ends up, expanding i don't know if they work him in as a pass catcher in early down situations i don't know like two running back backfields a lot of screens i don't know what that's going to look like he's just a name that i'm so glad he came up in conversation that i'm just like kind of keeping an eye on i don't think he's going to go super early in drafts but i'm intrigued as like a mid to late round flyer as far as ppr points go we know how valuable that volume is um so i just i'm glad that the stats you looked up backed up my point i feel great about that now (laughs) no i agree and if you think about um usfl last year the generals had two running backs that both could win you fantasy football weeks every week right they both put up good points so i could see this being a very similar situation possible i could see both these guys being relevant and i think you're absolutely right that kalen blosh he's gonna slide farther down right so he's a guy that you can get in the mid round and it could end up being a steal because he could still put up RB1 numbers. I can't believe Adam made me come on this podcast and give away my secrets. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. Exactly why he had you come on this podcast. I know. <laughs> but speaking of running the ball, you know, we haven't talked about the Arlington Renegades yet. And, you know, the offensive coordinators there are Jonathan Hayes and Chuck Long who were the Battlehawks offensive staff. And the Battlehawks were an incredibly run-heavy offense back in the first XFL. You know, they were averaging just a ton of yards on the ground. They were averaging almost 155 yards on the ground per game. That is the second most in spring league, in modern spring league history, behind only the Tampa Bay Vipers. So what did Jonathan Hayes and Chuck Long do? They went out and got the guy who was off of that roster. They brought in Davion Smith, Mr. Chicken Salad Pizza himself. (laughs) Davion Smith is just just a spring football workhorse. 
I mean, just just eat what they feed you, man. Don't don't ask questions. Don't no, ask for ask anything questions. else. <laughs> ask questions, Davion. You are a beast. You only eat carries and yards. Okay. So it's it's actually an intriguing backfield you bring up, though, because it, I guess it's you know it's so much of what we're trying to figure out going into the season. There's just so much up in the air. I I, I know we feel like Davion Smith is the RB one and likely to get more work, but they did just acquire Adrian Killens, who was looking to get a lot of work with the roughnecks before being released or traded have we have we confirmed which that is yet i I, anyway he changed rosters (laughs) he changed rosters Uh, and the important thing to remember in spring football is that transactions are all made up is it a trade is it a cut yeah the points are made up they don't matter yeah the points Uh, matter the points (laughs) matter he just he changed his team i mean you know you can uh, and when you look at Adrian Killens, the thing that I have trouble with is Adrian Killens is small. I mean, he's 5'8". He's a, he's a better pass catcher. He's a more versatile back. But Smith is just, you know, Smith had three has had 300 yards in both spring leagues despite splitting time in Orlando with the Apollos and the AF. And in 2020 in the XFL, he was a top five back without any touchdowns. Davion I mean, yeah. Smith didn't score any touchdowns in 2020, you know, and he was, you know, he's a big physical guy. He's 5'11", 228, you know, he is bench pressing 5'8", 164 pound Adrian Killens. He's a monster. <laughs> I know. I know. And honestly, that's actually a great point that you made with him scoring so many points without uh, actually scoring touchdowns or fantasy points without scoring touchdowns. I mean, that's that regression is about to change. Right. I mean, that's that's got to change. Right. Like, I know this is a different league or whatever, but like the chances are he's going to find the end zone this time. So I don't anticipate that being a problem again. Um, But just to kind of throw your own uh, kind of like your own reasoning in your face when you were, you know, coming down on our Abram Smith in a 1600 yard season. Uh, Smith never ran for more than 800 yards in a, in a college football season for whatever reason that may be. He did play, I guess, more consistently. He had three seasons for Michigan where he ran for 500 yards or more. Um, but that's just as much of a workhorse as he might be. You just like, if we're, if we're going to use your logic of looking at past production, um, I might still be more interested in somebody like Smith before looking at, or, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Abram Smith before looking at Davion Smith. But, uh, my other problem is, they're going to run the ball a lot. I'm just concerned that I don't know. I like, is this going to be a backfield by committee? Like, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know for sure. Like if they're going to run the ball a lot, they have numerous guys that can, that can. In 2020, they were pretty much, it was split. It was Matt Jones got 80 carries. Christine Michael got 59. Keith Ford had a game where he got work. Boy, they're just recycling their, their previous plan. (laughs) I, I mean, they went. They went. Out I forgot. This, this worked. This worked. The Battlehawks yeah. were one of the top teams in the XFL in 2020. It works if you can put hat on a hat, win at the line, and your backs can do work. You're going to be fine. The only difference is, is they went out and they got a new quarterback. They got a much. They might have improved at quarterback. Sloter's better than Tawamu. You know, they got a guy who Agreed. can throw the ball better, and he's going to be thrown against lighter defenses. I mean, Jordan Tawamu. That's a fair point. In 2020, you know, was a 72% had a 72% pass completion rate for a thousand yards, but only had five touchdowns. You know, they were run early, run often, and win with defense. So, 
if history says that the the offensive play calling is going to be run heavy, but they have Kyle Slaughter and Sal Canella, what do we make of this offense then? This offense actually, starts to scare me a lot now. I kind of, yeah, you're talking me into it. <laughs> the, the Renegades have a really good offense because yeah. the Chuck Long and Je- and Jay and Jonathan Hayes can both coach offenses. Yeah, and, and if they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage, and Canella's going to get open, they're going to be set. I almost feel guilty not mentioning them as one of my favorite offenses at the opening of the show, given how much I love Kyle Slaughter and Sal Canella. And <laughs> know, now you've just more, absolutely. <laughs> the more we talk about it, it Slaughter, Smith, Arcanado, Canella. Yeah. And then, of course, Bob Stoops and Chuck Long with their Iowa Hawkeye ties. Man, I'm starting to really like this team in the last 30 minutes. Oh, Iowa. <laughs> so, and, and just. One more deep guy we got to talk about in this, you know, guys are listed at different positions. You know, let's each give one deep running back that we're kind of interested in. I know for me, it's Nick Holly because Nick Holly emerged in 2020 as more of a receiver than a running back. I mean, he was heavily involved in the passing game for the Roughnecks and offensive coordinator AJ Smith's offense. I got to imagine he's going to go right back to him. You know, Nick Holly was a stud there. He was the second, he was second in yard receiving yards on the team behind Cam Phillips. He had 21 catches for 267. And really, he was outpacing Cam Phillips in some games just on the PPR points alone. I mean, he's a guy who can work at all levels of the field. I'm interested in Nick Holly in like rounds five and six in my drafts just because he has the familiarity and PPR touches are going to matter. Right. Right. I mean, I gave you my Kalen Balaj. Uh, that's, that's my favorite sleeper, but if we're looking for another one, what, what do we make of Reichel Armstead? I know he's got Abram Smith ahead of him on the depth chart. Uh, we were briefly talking about this before the show. That poor guy got knocked out of football for a year and a half because of COVID. So, I mean, I don't know what he's looking like these days, but I mean, he had some run with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, he's got quite a bit of NFL experience. I mean, if that's an offense that decides to run it through its running backs, I know he's RB2 there currently, but is he not worth a dart throw? I mean, I think so. That whole back uh, backfield is interesting because of Abram Smith, Reichwell Armstrad, Puka Williams, Artifus Pierce. Those last three guys have NFL experience, and they can run the ball. And Just they're weird. The lawnmowers away from Puka Williams. <laughs> exactly, that's, that's... yeah. No toes, Puka. <laughs> um, but my – Nope, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, my late round guy uh, for the Battlehawks, Brian Hill. Um, everybody thinks Mateo Durant's going to win that job, but Brian Hill, he has a, he played at Wyoming, did very well there, played for the Falcons in the NFL. I mean, this is guy, another guy with NFL experience that can run the ball well that probably not on a lot of people's radar, that a mid-round target that you can get that could give you good fantasy points. Has there been any sort of, has anybody ever looked back? Sorry, this is related, but unrelated. Has anybody ever looked at what the correlation is between NFL experience and like success in a spring league coming in? Is there a direct, I know we mentioned no, there's that a no lot, correlation. I, okay. there's not I, a lot. Of I, we mentioned it a lot because like, I think that's what we have to go on with a lot of these guys um, because they don't normally have a lot of other experience other than in college. But like we assume doing something or doing well in the NFL will translate well in spring leagues. And I'm actually just curious if we've ever actually seen but yeah, like and, a, an analysis of this, I, you know, and I like Raquel Armstead's talent, but the problem there is, you know, looking at Reggie Barlow and his staff coming out of Virginia state, they never really featured an RB2. The only year where there were some splits is years where it looks like guys got banged up. 
you know, they never really went with two RBs. It was a dominant RB one and the battle Hawks. I got to tell you right now, that team scares me and not in a good way. <laughs> Please I, I elaborate. Mean, Adam. Th- there is just, right. there is, I, I know it's a league of opportunity, but every other guy went out and got coaches who have experience. Anthony Beck went out and said, screw it. I don't have experience. I'm going to get guys with less experience. Bruce Gadkarowski was a high school coach previously. He's now calling offensive plays in a pro league. Ricky Prohl was a wide receivers coach last in 2000, was last a wide receivers coach in 2016. Art Valero hasn't was a defensive analyst at Texas Tech in 2021. And before that, tight ends coach at Colorado state in 2014. It's just, I'm really struggling to put this offense together. And I know they have AJ McCarron, but they just make me really nervous by a lack of experience on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to be a really interesting experiment. I feel like, because that's actually a really good point that you made. It's what's going to win out here because I feel like they're, one of the more talented offensive rosters. I mean, I guess I'm not um, as high on their backfield as some other teams, but, um, you know, I'm still targeting, like I mentioned earlier, A.J. McCarron early in drafts just because, I mean, he almost won an NFL playoff game, right? Like, he, he, he's he been around. Um, so this is going to be a really interesting interesting experiment to see what wins out here. Can, like, a talented roster make up for potential coaching deficits, right? Because you're going to have mccarron throwing to marcel aitman that's that we've spoken about here i mean darius shepherd is slotting in as their wide receiver to uh the usfl's own darius shepherd um and i mean i've been particularly intrigued by jalen smith out of louisville he was originally listed as a tight end uh apparently they've converted him back to wide receiver i i was really thrilled to see what they were going to do with him at tight end because i thought he was going to operate in more of like a slot possession receiver role so i was really intrigued uh more fantasy advice here i was really intrigued uh as a as a mid-round ppr target by jalen smith um not to get too derailed here but yeah no really i, I that's I, that's another fun aspect i'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on what 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 do you make of the battle hawks because i think they're one of the 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 more i think odds wise to win the championship they're the odds on favorite i don't know if you realize that um as that's of... just the st louis fans carrying them to something now <laughs> this they... is as of like a week ago or so they're plus 400 followed closely by the seattle sea dragons at plus 450 for our gambling fans out there um so yeah i mean i that's they got to be one of the more polarizing teams going into the season i mean in my opinion i know we're talking fantasy football but they're the best team on the offensive and defensive line and i feel like football is one in the trenches but adam you brought up a really interesting thing that i guess i didn't put together ricky pro wide receiver coach has his son austin pro on his team you don't think he's greasing the palms of the offensive coordinator <laughs> saying hey throw this one to austin hey throw this one to Austin. let's get some plays for austin in there it, man it, more might. fantasy advice draft right. austin pro <laughs> if austin pro can work like his dad in the slot He'll be good. But guys, yeah. I mean, we've gone 47 minutes now and we had more topics. That was still too to go. Easy. We got to wrap this. We're going to come back again tomorrow with some more. So, but anyways, uh, guys, tell us what we got in the can coming up. Tell us where everyone can find you real quick. Go ahead, Matt. 
Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Matt Morse 12, uh, where I will be discussing all things uh, spring football, USFL, XFL, you name it. Uh, SGPN's uh, 2023 fantasy guide is currently pinned to my profile. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, please go take a look. Uh, there's a few names that now have to change thanks to the incoming news that we get as the show starts <laughs> that Jordan Tayamo is the week one starter. So it's, it's we're building those. We're allegedly, allegedly uh, we're building the plane as we fly it, but it's a good read. Please go check it out. Uh, and the one and only J Mark, the spring football insider himself. Yeah. Uh, find me on Twitter at J Mark football. I post all my stuff there. Um, and, but Matt, that, that ever changing thing, that's the, the beauty behind spring football, that's right? Why the strategy it, right? at fantasy football is insane. And yeah, that's absolutely why I love it. So we love yeah. the chaos. I don't know what that says about us, but we love it. It's great. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) do you smell what the XFL is cooking? We're back here. The Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast, your home for XFL, USFL, and any other FL football there can be. That's Matt Morris. That's Justin Mark. I'm Adam Pelletier, and we will see you next time. Nova Productions.